So we have this glorious news that God has predetermined, that is, he has known beforehand uh, his intention to rescue the human race, all of it. He, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined, predetermined their destiny to be, and that destiny is to be conformed to his son. You say, well, why? Uh, How can you say that that's everybody? Well, as I pointed out yesterday, the various verses tell us that different groups are called in their predestination at different times, so that finally in Romans 11, verse 32, Paul says, God has imprisoned all under sin that he might have mercy on all. He has chosen to allow the uh, sin uh, issue to have its full uh, out uh, flowing. He has allowed it to have its full consequences, which causes men and women to be imprisoned in their own broken-down human nature. That imprisonment leads to, ultimately, leads to the desire to be free— the longing to have a new uh, life and to call out to God for mercy and help. That is the purpose of it. And uh, therefore, we can see here when it says that God has predestined all, and that means elected everyone, that he is at various times in their lives, various times in history, that is, calling different ones and uh, different groups. He called certain people out of the Jewish faith. He called then the Gentiles. And he will, uh, it says that he has elected the whole of the house of Israel in, uh, in the book of Romans chapter 9. And uh, th- he has elected the whole world by virtue of the fact that he's going to have mercy on the whole world, on all. This is the message, of course, of Romans chapter 5, that as in Adam all die, and that means everyone, of course, because all do die, and so in Christ all shall be made alive. That's Romans 5.18. And the plan is to call them, and to declare them innocent, justified in the personhood of Jesus Christ. God gives faith to believe that, and then to glorify them. We don't know what it's going to be like to be glorified, but we do know that that is the ultimate plan of God. God has not planned on earth to be contaminated with sin and woundedness and uh, sickness and final death. He has planned an earth to be full of the glory that is from him in his children. That glory is revealed to some extent at the transfiguration of Jesus Christ, you remember? And it will be finally revealed uh, when the kingdom of God comes and this mortal shall put on immortality and this corruptible shall put on incorruption. This is the destiny of God's creation that we have talked about in chapter 8 where it says, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. The creation is groaning, but it is not a dying groaning. It is not the last croak. 
even though the secular people of the world think it is and fear this planet is going to die because of our neglect of it. It is God's care for it that is the issue. The issue is God is bringing this planet and all of its creation, all the creation, to the new birth, the creation of the new world, when uh, all things shall be made new. And so in the light of this, Paul then asks this question, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, this launches into this uh, glorious passage, which is probably one of the most optimistic and and um, hopeful um, views of what will happen in the future in the whole Bible. But what does it start off with? It starts off with, what shall we say to all these things, all what things, everything that Paul has described in the last five or six chapters, if God is for us, Who can be against us? Now, let's take note of that. Why didn't Paul, who has spent three or four chapters talking about all that Christ has done for us, why didn't he ask us, if Christ is for us, who can be against us? No, he asked, if God is for us, who can be against us? Now, there are certain Christians, perhaps baby Christians, but even... If they're not baby Christians, sometimes this goes on, this uh, mistaken belief goes on for decades that Christ loves us more than God the Father. This delusion, this myth that Christ is very affectionate and gentle and kind, uh, but God is the harsh judge. Now, of course, when we say that, verbalize it, it sounds silly, nonsense. But there is an undertow of feeling that that's the truth, that Jesus loves us, and he has to persuade his heavenly Father to do the same. Well, that is so terribly wrong and pure heresy. The message of the gospel is that Christ did all these wonderful things for us, died for us, revealed um, uh, his atoning sacrifice for us, rose from the dead for us, became a human being, suffered for us, all of this, because the Father sent him. He was doing the will of the Father. It is the will of God that we be saved. It is the will of God that we have mercy applied to us. It is God's will that we be lifted up from our sorrow. That's the truth of the gospel. I remember many years ago, a woman who heard this radio program and became a dear friend of this ministry, I think she's dead now, but uh, she said that... Before I heard this radio program, I used to pray to Jesus, but not to my Heavenly Father, because I was afraid to pray to God the Father. And that was because she'd had rather a bad experience with her father as a child. But she said, once I continued, as I continued to listen to this radio broadcast, I realized that all that Jesus did in his love, his compassion, his sacrifice for us, was an expression of the heart of the Father. And she said, I fell in love with God my Father. 
And that's what the truth of the gospel is all about. Jesus is the revelation of the heart of God. When he was asked uh, by Philip, Lord, show us the Father, you remember what Jesus said, Oh, Philip, have I been so long with you that you do not know me? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So when we look at all these chapters, chapter 5, freedom from wrath, chapter 6, freedom from the identity of sin, chapter 7, freedom from the condemnation of the law, chapter 8, freedom from the power of death, all through Jesus Christ, freedom from wrath through Christ, freedom from the identity of sin through the body of Christ, freedom from the law through the righteousness of Christ, freedom from death, chapter 8, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are really understanding that this all comes about because God the Father has commissioned Jesus to give us all this because the Father loves us so much. And so, when we study these chapters, remember what we're doing. We are learning about the heart of the Father. God is for us. Now, that's a marvelous statement, and it's not just plucked out of thin air by Paul. I've forgotten the verse. I'll look it up for you for next time. But in the book of Ezekiel, after all the judgments that come upon Israel, the Babylonian invasion of Jerusalem, you remember, and the Babylonian captivity, and all the severe judgments of famine, sword, pestilence, all of those terrible things... God says to Israel, I am for you, O Israel. I am for you. I'll get that verse for you um, in due course. But this is where Paul gets it from, you see. It's not as if Paul is suddenly sort of scratching his head and thinking, okay, well, what does all this death and resurrection of Jesus the Messiah mean? Of course, yes, He does do that. He must surely have pondered many, many hours, days, months over the years of what Jesus means and how it could possibly be that God became man and sacrificed himself for us. But he also links it with the Old Testament, and I am convinced that Paul had in his mind the book of Ezekiel very, very distinctly when writing or dictating the book of Romans. So when he says, if God is for us, probably he has in his mind the very quote from the book of Ezekiel, I am for you, O Israel. In all of our trials, in all of the judgments, in all of the things that go wrong, in all of the discipline that God brings to us, he is nevertheless for us. And that's what you and I have to bring to the table of faith and prayer when we talk to God. You see, our natural human nature will say, God is not for me, he's frowning on me, he doesn't approve of me, he's disappointed in me, he can't stand me, he just tolerates me, he suffers me. And on we go with these um, doubts about God, even while we're praying to him. And so what we need to do is to say, Father, I'm praying to you today and in faith in my human nature that 
in my uh, my nature that Christ has given me, I am affirming, dear Lord, that you are for me. I pray to you, I come to you with my needs, whether my needs are met or not, believing that you are for me. You are not against me. You remember that judgment scene that was uh, presented to us in Daniel chapter uh, 7? Uh, the Son of Man comes to, that is Jesus, comes to the Ancient of Days, that's God the Father, and uh, the uh, Lord, the, the God the Father gives him a kingdom. And uh, Daniel wants to know what this all means, and uh, the angel Gabriel explains to him. And he says, when the Ancient of Days comes, the judgment, a judgment was made for the saints. It, was, it says in the King James Version, judgment was given to the saints, but the preposition there is not to, but for. And that preposition means in favor of. Judgment was given, this is Daniel 7.22, judgment was given in favor of the saints. God decides in our favor. Because he has given us his son, Jesus Christ, to be our, the sacrifice for our sins, the judgment for our sins. He has given Jesus Christ to be the resurrection, our resurrection from the dead. This is why we can know that God is for us. So when you pray, counter those natural tendencies of your human nature to doubt and to fear that God is not for you and to affirm, Father, thank you. You are for me, and therefore I come to you boldly and confidently. Well, thanks for listening today, Colin Cook, and How It Happens. You can hear this program on your smartphone. Simply download a free app, soundcloud.com or podbean.com, and key in How It Happens with Colin Cook when you get there. And would you kindly consider a donation? This is listener-supported radio. That's how it uh, finances itself to keep going. It's now in its 26th year. Send your donation to FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160. Or you can make your donation online at faithquestradio.com. Thanks. I'll see you next time. Cheerio and God bless. <music>